right. Well, good morning again, everybody. It is good to see you this morning. A happy, happy Father's Day to you. And uh, thankfully, we didn't forget the beef jerky. After all, that's a critical part of our service today, no doubt. So um, happy Father's Day, dads. Welcome back to Community Church. It's just great to see you guys each and every week. What a privilege, though, and what an honor it is on this Father's Day, but really every day to be a dad right i mean being a dad is quite a privilege it's, it's not only a privilege and an honor but it's also a high calling and it comes with great responsibility as well i mean because you know as you know men being a dad is not always as easy as it looks right i mean that meat over there on the grill is not going to grill itself right somebody's got to do it not everybody can go out there in the yard and make tall grass short like we can and look good doing it right I mean come on can I get a witness so happy Father's Day dads but in reality as we all know the responsibilities go way way deeper than that right God has called us as men to provide and to protect our families we need to provide for them and protect them. that's first Timothy chapter 5 verse 8 he's called us to love our wives men just like Christ loves the church that's Ephesians chapter 5 verse 25 and he's called us to raise up our children in the training and the admonition of the Lord. That's Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. And so the calling of being a dad is a very high calling because the responsibilities are so great. But there's absolutely too much at stake, guys, for us to shy away from this calling or to shirk our responsibilities, okay? Because the family is God's idea. And he has placed us as dads at the head of that family of course, under the authority of Christ. And so as the father goes, so goes the family, right? And as the family goes, so goes society. And so if we're failing to do our job as dads, then the family structure is bound to break down at some point, and society will soon follow. I think we can look around and see that today, can't we? Listen to these statistics. According to the U.S. Census Bureau, and this is only a year ago in 2021, one in four children are growing up in a home without a biological step or adoptive father. One in four. That's well over 18 million kids, okay, without a dad whatsoever. And trust me, I've read stats that are much higher than this. This is the lowest one I've found. But that's enough fatherless children in America today to fill New York City twice or Los Angeles, California four times. And did you know that more than 72% of the American people that were polled, 72% of Americans believe that fatherlessness is the most significant family or social problem in America today? 72%. Did you know that more than 57% of black children grow up in fatherless homes? 31% of Hispanic kids grow up in a fatherless home. And 20% of white kids grow up without a dad in the home. It's just heartbreaking. While at the same time, listen to this, the Federal Bureau of Prisons reports this. More than 93% of those who are incarcerated are men. 93%. Fellas, we've got some work to do. We've got some work to do. We've got to get our dads out of the prisons and back into the home. That's what we have to do. 
I mean, if we ever want to be all that God has called us to be as men, then we've got to get serious about following the Lord Jesus Christ and get our families in church. We have to grow up in our own faith and we have to learn how to become leaders in the church of God and leaders in our communities so that we can pass down our faith to our children. Why? So that they will then pass that faith down to their children and to their children's children, right? They will take this baton of faith that we give them and run with it. Guys, we have to repopulate the church with men of God instead of populating the prisons. But thankfully, there is good news. The arm of the Lord is not too short that it cannot save. That's Isaiah 59, 1. So there is hope, right? But he has called us as men to lead our families and to lead our communities to Christ. That's our job. So we have to stop wasting time on things that will not matter in eternity and start becoming the men of God that he's called us to be. Now, some of you may have already noticed that this message is going to be a little bit different today, at least for me, okay? I mean, because I, I usually don't teach topical messages. I, I prefer to just go verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book, through the Word of God, okay? But today is going to be a little bit different. This morning, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 5 through 14. So you're welcome to go ahead and turn there now if you'd like to. 1 Corinthians 16, verses 5 through 14. And just as Paul had made his plans to stay with his brothers and sisters in, sisters rather in Corinth in the passage that we're going to be studying today, but he wisely said something. He said, if the Lord permits, okay? I had plans this week on continuing our study through the Gospel of Luke. But as I began to prepare, it became very clear to me that the Lord was not permitting me to do that. And so, if in fact the Lord does permit, we will continue in our study of the Gospel of Luke next week, okay? But today, it's Father's Day, and so I'm going to talk to you about dads, all right? Or more specifically, I'm going to talk to you about men in general, but of course from a biblical perspective, all right? So this message is primarily for you, men. All right, but ladies, I'm going to need you to listen up close too because we need you to help keep us accountable. And quite honestly, I think, ladies, after today's message, your man may need you to butter him up a little bit. You may have to talk real sweet and soft to him, tell him how beautiful and handsome and strong he is, all of those things, because the Apostle Paul is going to lay it out pretty straight for us today. There's no doubt. And guys, I know what you might be thinking. Hey, brother, why didn't you come out punching like this on Mother's Day? <laughs> That's a good question. That's fair. Uh, and to that, I guess I would just say, you know, I've got a lot more experience at being a dad uh, than I do at being a mom. And sometimes I think maybe it's just better for me to stay in my lane, you know. Uh, but I'm way more aware of my own failures than I am the failures of others. There's no doubt about that. So trust me, uh, I've had a week of this dealing with how the Lord is directing me and, and dealing with me as a father, as a dad, as a husband. But ultimately, in, in all seriousness, I believe the Lord did direct me this way this week because the church men, and, and the culture around us, it needs men. It needs godly men in a bad, bad way. We need men who are willing to get up and get going and start making a difference for Christ in this world that we live in. That's the challenge. All right, so would you pray with me and then we'll get into the text. We love you, Lord. We thank you for 
where you have us today in the scriptures. It's not all going to be easy. It is going to be a challenge. But Lord, I pray that we can all receive the word that you have for us with the heart that it's intended and the spirit that it's intended. Help us as men to rise to that challenge that you put forth in scripture, to not shirk our responsibilities. Ultimately, Lord, I just pray right now as we enter into your word that you would direct us by the power of your spirit, guide us into all truth, Help me to not say anything that's unbiblical. Lord, guide my words, I pray. But help us to only hear the truth this morning. Give us ears to hear. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so turn with me to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Again, we're going to be looking at verses 5 through 14. And you're welcome to follow along as I read. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, starting in verse 5. Now, I will come to you when I pass through Macedonia... For I am passing through Macedonia, and it may be that I will remain or even spend the winter with you, that you may send me on my journey wherever I go. Verse 7, for I do not wish to see you now on the way, but I hope to stay a while with you if the Lord permits. But I will tarry in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a great and effective door has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. Verse 10, and if Timothy comes, see that he may be with you without fear. For he does the work of the Lord as I also do. Therefore, let no one despise him, but send him on his journey in peace, that he may come to me, for I am waiting for him with the brethren. Now, concerning our brother Apollos, I strongly urged him to come with you, or to come to you with the brethren, but he was quite unwilling to come at this time. However, he will come when he has a convenient time. Verse 13. Watch. Stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong, let all that you do be done with love. All right, Paul has a ton to say to us this morning here, guys, but let's start like this, all right, since we're focusing on men today, we'll start the message like this. Guys, I want you to think about the most manly thing that you've done in the last year. What is the most, I mean, the manliest thing? I mean, did you skin a buck with your bare hands? That's pretty manly. Maybe you caught the biggest fish in the Merrimack River. You know that one that keeps getting bigger every time you tell your buddies about it? I don't know, maybe you, wa- maybe you watched every second of the NBA Finals without even getting up to go to the bathroom one time. What's the manliest thing you've done in the last year? Now let me ask it like this. What would your wife and kids say is the manliest thing you've done in the last year? You see, the challenge from Paul here in 1 Corinthians 16, specifically in verse 13, is to act like men. And honestly, acting like a man doesn't have anything to do with hunting. doesn't have anything to do with fishing or watching sports, right? A real man being a real man, a godly man, doesn't have anything to do with that. The Apostle Paul is challenging us as men to grow up spiritually. Okay, so let me ask the question a different way. What's the most spiritual thing that you've done in the last year as a man? How many of us men would say that we've grown spiritually over the last 12 months? And moreover, how many of us are willing to do whatever it takes, whatever the Lord asks us to do to start growing spiritually today, right now? Because I think it'd be wise for us to keep these questions in mind as we consider the words of Paul in the scriptures this morning. You see, as Paul begins to wrap up his 
first letter to the Corinthians here, he tells them that he will be staying in Ephesus until Pentecost. Okay, because why? Because God had opened a great and effective door for him there among many adversaries. Okay, that's verses 8 and 9. So God opened a door and Paul was willing. He said, I will. How many of us today would be willing to stay in a place among many adversaries, even if God had opened up a door for us there? Right, guys, we got to ask ourselves another question. We need to ask ourselves, is the gospel that important to me? Is the gospel that important in my life? Is obedience to Christ that important to me? Am I willing to go where he sends me and do whatever it is that he tells me to do? Or do I care more about my own comfort than I do the souls of men? Do I care more about my own comfort than I do the spiritual growth of my family? You see, the Apostle Paul, he didn't, right? He cared most about following Christ. But it seems like to me more and more, especially over time, and maybe it's just because I'm getting older, I don't know, but especially in our Americanized version of Christianity that we have today, what we're seeing is an increased desire for comfort. We have made comfort king. I truly believe that comfort is one of the things, one of the primary things that is killing the American church. We've made comfort our king, not Christ. All right. I mean, we love our comfort. We love our stuff. We want to call all the shots. We like to be our own boss, right? Especially as guys, we prefer our routines. We get to set all of that. And we don't like it when something or someone comes along and messes all that up. Guys, hear me. Paul had plans. Paul had plans. He had plans to go see the Corinthians when he passed through Macedonia, verse 5. But he stayed flexible and he kept his heart open to the will of God. Okay? He said, I may stay with you or I might even spend the winter there, verse 6. He said, I hope that I can stay a while with you, but only if the Lord permits. That's verse 7. So are you open to going in the direction that Christ is calling you to go? Are you willing? You know, Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9 says, A man's heart plans his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. So how many times do we mess that up and put the emphasis on our heart instead of on the direction of the Lord? How many times do we listen to our heart instead of listening to the Lord? I mean, it was clearly more important to Paul to follow the direction of the Lord, right? For example, he said in verse 6, it may be that I remain with you, again, if the Lord permits, verse 7. But then he said in verse 8, I will tarry in Ephesus. Why? Because the Lord had already opened a door for him there. That's why. So the Lord directed and Paul followed the Lord's direction. All right, so what is God directing you to do? How is the Lord leading in your life that you have yet to follow? What clear direction has the Lord given you, but you've yet to say, I will? Are you still following your heart or are you following the Lord? Well, next, Paul, he lets the Corinthians know that Timothy might swing by Corinth on his way to see him at Ephesus. That's verses 10 and 11. And he basically tells the church to take care of him if he does come by. Because he does the work of the Lord also, as I do. So both Paul and Timothy were doing the Lord's work and God provided, didn't he? You see, one of the ways that Christ provides for those who are doing his work is through his church. 
Yet too many guys today, unfortunately, are afraid to step out in faith in fear of losing their income or losing whatever else they might hold dear. Yet, I mean, it's our responsibility to provide for our families. Yes, but listen to me. What are you really providing for your family if you only bring home money? What are you really providing for them? Wouldn't it be better to let them see you walking by faith? I mean, wouldn't it be better to depend on the provisions of God than for what you can provide for yourself? Men, lead your family by doing the Lord's work and lead them by walking by faith. Let them see that. Then Paul tells the Corinthians that, you know, I tried to send Apollos along with the brethren, but he was quite unwilling to come at this time and he, he will come when he has a convenient time. That's verse 12. Now, is it just me or does Paul seem a little frustrated with Apollos here? I mean, I don't want to read too much into it, but Paul strongly urged him, the word says, but Apollos didn't go, didn't come. So was Apollos following his heart or was he following the Lord's direction here? I don't know, but I do know this. You and I should never, ever wait until we have a convenient time to follow the Lord, right? How dare we put off the call of Christ? How dare we do that? The time to follow Jesus is now, right now. If the Lord is speaking to you, if he's leading you, directing you, convicting you, whatever it is, our response should always be two things. One, immediate, right? And the answer should always be yes, Lord. Yes, that's our answer every single time the Lord calls us. Yes, Lord. I don't want to follow the Lord at my convenience. Why? Because that's not what Scripture says. Scripture never tells us to follow Him at His convenience. It tells us to follow Christ at His command. Guys, we have been commanded to follow Christ and to lead our families well. Paul continues on in verse 13, and he tells the men of Corinth to watch. Now, literally, that word means guard. Okay, so men of God have a responsibility to guard what God has given them. So what has God given us to guard? Think about that in your own life. I mean, it's any number of things, right? But some things in particular this, this morning would be, well, if you're married, then God's given you a wife, right? That is a gift. She is a gift from God. Guard her. If you have children, God has given you those children. Those children are a gift from God, okay? If you're born again, God has given you new life and he has given you a church body as well. He's given you the gift of his word. He's given you the gift of his Holy Spirit. And we could go on and on. But the, the idea here is guard these things. Guard these gifts that God has given you. Guard your wife and kids. Guard your church. Guard the truth of the word of God. Don't ever let these things go unprotected. If you're a Christian man, God has called you to guard these things. Our families and our churches cannot afford for us to go AWOL here. No. Too many times we let them down by not standing guard and becoming derelict in our duties. We can't do it anymore. Next, Paul tells us to stand fast in the faith. Now, to stand fast, it means to stand firm. Okay? So, godly men cannot have a flimsy faith. We must be firm. Be flexible, right? Be ready to adjust your schedule according to God's plans if needed, absolutely. But be firm in your faith to follow those plans of God. 
Okay, the church doesn't need any more weak-kneed, spineless men who are only faking it with some kind of flimsy faith. We need men who will stand firm in their faith and get grounded. Then Paul says, be brave, or literally be courageous. Okay, and so this is where we get the title of our message today. This is interesting, because literally the word that Paul uses here for the word brave means to be manly or to act like men. Our society today wants to feminize everything around us because it hates masculinity. It hates biblical masculinity. All right, but the charge from Scripture here today is for men to act like men. We'll talk more about this in a minute. But then in verse 13, still he says, be strong. Okay, and that's because godly men, we are going to need strength in order to live godly lives. All right, but the word for strong here that Paul uses, it literally means healthy or vigorous. Okay, so whether we like it or not, men, being fit is a biblical concept. All right, and we're going to look further into each one of these things individually from Paul in just a minute. But lastly, he wraps up his thought in verse 14 by saying, let all that you do be done with love. Okay, which of course pairs very nicely with what Peter said in 1 Peter 4, 8, which says this, and above all things have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. Now, Peter was quoting from Proverbs chapter 10, verse 12 here when he said that which of course reminds us of the love of Christ, the kind of love that Christ has for us because his love has covered a multitude of our sins, has it not? So Peter and Paul are saying to us here, men, love like that. Love like Jesus. All right, so I do want to take a closer look here at Paul's instructions, specifically from verses 13 and 14 here in the rest of the message this morning because this is where we're really going to be able to draw out the application Okay, and and we're going to see just how personal the teaching is for you and for me. All right, Paul's teaching here is very personal, but it's also very practical as we're going to see. So going back to verse 13 in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, the first thing that Paul said to do was to watch. He said to be on guard. In other words, in context here, men of Corinth, don't be depending on other men like Apollos. He ain't coming. I'm saying you watch. You grow up. You take ownership of your faith. You take responsibility to guard what God has given you. That's on you. So let's be honest. Men not taking responsibility for their faith and not taking responsibility in the home has gotten us where we are today. All right. And it's given us this high number of broken and fatherless homes that we have. It's given us this kind of watered down and weak teaching that we have so prevalent in our churches today because men have not been standing guard. We've left our post, haven't we? So it's time for us to man up and start becoming the spiritual leaders that God has called us to be. It's on me and it's on you guys. It's very personal. Now, some of you may remember that Paul's already called these guys out for being spiritually immature. He did that back in chapter 3 of this same letter. I'll read it for you. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3 says, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it, and even now you are still not able. Verse 3, For you are still carnal. For where there are envy and strife and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? Wow. 
What an interesting distinction we have here. I mean, if we're going to act like men in the way that Scripture commands us to, then we can't be behaving like mere men, can we? Like carnal men. No, of course not. We have to become spiritually mature men of God who are watchful, who are courageous, men who are growing up spiritually. Guys, it takes exactly zero courage, none, to sit on the couch, to play in the garage, to be hanging out with the boys while your family is over there becoming spiritually bankrupt. That takes zero courage. All right? As we've learned last week, Jesus told us straight out, he said, a tree is known by its fruit. That's Luke chapter 6, verse 44. And so the way I like to say that is, men, we, we are how we behave, aren't we? So how did Paul say it? Well, he called out envy. He called out strife. He called out divisions as carnal things. And so we need to internalize that. We need to apply that. Am I envious? I mean, would I rather be out with my buddies doing what they're doing and having what they have? Or would I rather be at home building my family around the foundation of Christ? Yeah. All right. I'm not saying don't go out and hang with the boys. All right. Don't let that be the habit of your life. Right. It's okay to have fun. It's okay to hang with the fellows, not at the expense of your family. Right. First things first. So am I always striving, meaning am, am I argumentative, am I contentious, or do I employ the fruit of the Spirit like kindness, gentleness, and self-control? That's Galatians 5.22. How about divisions? Do I have a hard time disagreeing on an issue without dividing over it? That's a sign of immaturity, right? I mean, if any of these things are common in my life, then the light bulb should be going off right now. Paul compared these things to spiritual immaturity. So if we can identify with these things, then it's time for us to get into the Word of God and grow up. It's time to start becoming spiritual men of God instead of mere men. Guys, spiritual men are meat eaters. They eat the Word of God up. That's what spiritual men do. Okay, They've moved on from their little sippy cups of milk and they've started feeding themselves on the deep things of God. They're self-feeders. They've picked up the fork and started eating. Spiritual men have stopped tinkering around with the Word of God and they've begun to take in significant, healthy amounts of solid food. That's the Scriptures. Okay, They're not babies anymore. They're not carnal anymore. They've put their spiritual big boy pants on and they've started growing. Men, I want you to hear me this morning. This is important. I hope you know that you are the pastor of your home. That's you. You are the shepherd of your family flock, okay? And your family will most not, they will most likely not grow any deeper than you do, okay? They're not going to grow any deeper or go any further in their walk with Christ than you have gone, okay? So you must lead them. You must pick up the shovel and start digging deep into this book. You must start growing in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's on you to protect your family. That's, that's a God-given responsibility, Okay? One of the things a shepherd does is he watches out for his sheep. In other words, he leads them, yes, but he also stands guard. He watches. In other words, he's alert to his surroundings. He knows what's going on around him. He's watching out for wolves. He's standing guard over the hearts and minds of his children and of his wife. 
But you know, the most important thing that men of God are watching for is the very thing that the Lord Jesus told us to be watching for. You know what that is? Matthew 24, 42, Jesus said this, Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. You see, men of God watch for the coming of the Lord. It's paramount. Why? Why is that? Because men of God want to be found faithful when he comes. Right? We want to be at our post when he comes. We want to be found faithful. And so a constant eye toward heaven will lead us to a consistent walk on earth with the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ again said in Matthew 26, 41, Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. That's right. Guys, as men of God, we have to understand that we absolutely cannot, we cannot be flirting around with sin. We cannot be flirting around with the things of this world because temptation that has been entered into is no longer temptation. It's sin, right? You know, when Christ was teaching his disciples and, and by extension, he's teaching us. Remember when he taught, him, taught them how to pray in Matthew's account of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 16, verse 13, he told us to pray like this. He said, Father, do not lead us into temptation because unfortunately, Temptation is always going to be lurking around the corner, right? In one form or another. Remember, God told Cain it's lurking at the door. So it's there. Therefore, we got to watch. We have to watch and we have to pray so that we do not enter into it. Brother, are you watching? Are you watching? Are you praying? What are you watching for? Because I can tell you, your family needs you. Your church needs you to be a man of God. Too many times as guys, we ask ourselves, is this a sin or is that a sin or, or whatever, right? I mean, we want to know exactly where that sin line is. How close can I get to it without sinning? Why? Why do we ask those questions? Well, I'll tell you, it's because too often we're more concerned with what we can get away with than in glorifying God. How much can I do without it actually boop, being a sin? No, that's the wrong attitude. Guys, we're asking the wrong questions. Here's the questions we should be asking. God, is what I'm doing bringing glory to your name? That's a good question to ask. Lord, is my life pleasing in your sight? Not where is that sin line? God, is there any dark corner in my heart that needs to be swept out? and surrendered and confessed to you completely? Am I holding anything back for myself? Is there any sin that I love, that I'm harboring, that I'm holding onto, that I need to confess and let go? That's a good question. Amen. Not where is the sin line? We've got to stop looking for that sin line and we need to start living for the Lord Jesus Christ and for the glory of God. Paul commands us to stand fast in the faith. Of course, again, that means firm. Right? We've got to be firm in our faith. In other words, know what you believe and know why you believe it. We need to know both of those things. Because if we understand what we believe, then that's going to prevent us from being shaken when these storms of life come along. And they're coming. Right? But men who only know what they believe without actually taking the time and putting in the effort to understand why they believe it, these men are going to inevitably end up with a flimsy faith. They're going to end up being some chubby little milk baby their whole life and never able to stand up on their own two faith legs, right? Much less lead their family or their church in the things of God. 
Don't be that guy. God has a higher calling for you. Think of it like this. As guys, now, just bear with me. As guys, we tend to think of women as emotional, right? I mean, isn't that what you said, Alex? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. He didn't say that at all. I just made that up. <laughs> but guys, you know what? We can be very emotional too, can't we? Amen. <laughs> but especially if we're spiritually immature. All right. So guys, don't be easily offended. And what I mean is this. Don't be blown around by every wind of doctrine. Okay? That's Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14. Don't let what somebody else says cause you to lose your faith. All right? You go to the Scriptures. You do that. You take the responsibility. You put in the effort. You go find the facts. Okay? You build up your faith. Mature men of God stand firm in their faith because they understand that Christ commands us to follow him, not those who are trying to follow him. Too many get their faith shipwrecked because they say, oh, somebody that claimed to be a Christian did this or did that or said this or said that. No, you're not following those who are trying to follow Christ. Jesus said, follow me. So men follow Christ and stand firm in their faith. Now, of course, we understand that the church is full of people just like us, man. We all struggle in one way or another. All right, we all mess up and we all blow it sometimes. There's no doubt about that. But mature men of God have come to understand the Word of God. Okay? We're meat eaters. We understand the Word of God. We are fluent in the Scriptures. And that makes us firm in our faith, right? So we understand things like this. We understand the sufficiency of Christ's atonement. When you understand that, there isn't anything anybody can ever say that's ever going to shipwreck your faith. See, mature men, spiritually mature men, understand that. They understand the surety of the promises that they find in the Word of God so that they won't be shaken. Therefore, they're no longer guided by their feelings and they've begun to walk by faith. A firm faith. They no longer envy and argue and divide. Instead, they encourage and they pray for and they lead Right? Guys, if your faith can be shaken by a circumstance or by what somebody else might say to you, how firm is your faith? Don't be shaken by your circumstances. Don't be shaken by your feelings. Don't be shaken by what anyone else says. Get in the Word and be shaken by what Christ says. Let that shake you to your core, the very Word of Christ, and start standing firm in your faith. Paul told us in verse 14, or excuse me, verse 13, he said, be brave. Again, this literally means act like men, right? So, fellas, surely you know by now this is, this is not for wimps, all right? This, this walk that Christ has called us to is not for wimps. Real, authentic Christianity is very courageous, all right? It takes more courage to grow up and to stand firm in your faith for Christ than it does to throw in the towel and call it quits. I mean, any man out there can be a terrible, self-centered leader in the home. Anybody can do that. Don't set the bar that low. Not in your home. Any man out there can be a selfish servant in the church. Me, me, me. It's all about what I like. No. 
I want you to know Jesus is calling you to a much higher calling. He's calling you to be better. He's calling you to be braver, to be more courageous than that. He's calling us to do hard things now that are going to matter in eternity. Okay? Remember what we talked about last week. Toward the end of the message, we talked about two ways that you can build your house. And this was from Christ's teaching on the mountain. You've got the biblical way to build your spiritual house, and that's to lay the foundation upon the rock, which is Christ Jesus, right? And you've got the foolish way to build your house, which is to fail to build any kind of foundation whatsoever. So only those who put their foundation on Christ are going to stand. They're going to stand firm in the storms of life. Then we went to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. We looked at verses 11 through 16 to see what materials are available to us to begin construction of our home. But again, one type of material we found out is going to fail when it goes through the fires of judgment. However, the other type of materials that's offered to us from Scripture is going to be refined by the fire. In other words, they're going to be eternal. They're going to last. So can I ask you this morning, men, how's construction going? How's it going? How's the home building project going? Are we essentially playing with fire when it comes to our walk with Christ and our calling as men of God? Are we using materials that are going to burn up or are we taking the suggestion from Scripture and using eternal materials? Because I can tell you things like selfishness, things like laziness, things like a refusal to take responsibility as a man of God, they're not going to amount to much on Judgment Day. All right? And it's certainly not going to amount to much to your family or to your church today. But the truth is, guys, it's impossible for us to live this out. It's impossible for us to act like men without God's help. But praise the Lord, He gives it, right? Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3.16, Do you not know that you are the temple of God? And that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Do you not know that, he says? So do you hear that this morning? The house you're building is the dwelling place of God. I think that should give us hope, shouldn't it? I'm just the apprentice. The Holy Spirit is the master builder. Praise the Lord for that. So mature men of God have learned how to depend on the Holy Spirit of God. And Paul tells us, 1 Corinthians 16, verse 13, he said, Be strong. Literally, be healthy, be vigorous. Now, admittedly, <laughs> a healthy diet might not be the best thing to talk about here on family on a Father's Day, right before our families take us all out to eat and we pound the buffet. But it's here, so we got to talk about it. But in reality, and more importantly, biblically, men of God should be healthy. Okay, at least as far as it's possible, you know, all things considered in your life as much as possible, be healthy. And this is to mean both physically and spiritually. Okay, because again, the Holy Spirit dwells in the temple, meaning your body. So we are spiritual and we are physical and one affects the other. Okay, therefore, both need to be healthy. So we got to take care of ourselves as men of God. Paul said in first Corinthians three seventeen, if anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. Now that's some very heavy stuff. And so we shouldn't take it lightly at all, should we? But the word that Paul uses here for defiles in that verse, it means to destroy or to harm. That word means to corrupt or to spoil 
or to go astray. All right. So again, let's consider the application here because I think it should be crystal clear. Am I doing anything in my life that would cause me to go astray? Am I doing anything that will corrupt or spoil either my life in Christ or my witness for Christ? You see, we lose our strength and we lose our vigor as men when we do destructive things that will harm our bodies and harm our minds. When we corrupt ourselves with the things of this world and we go astray, right? Rather than staying in fellowship with Christ and concentrating on the things of Christ. So do I let my mind or do I let my body go astray? How disciplined am I in my walk with Christ? How about this? How's my thought life? Is my mind set on the things of Christ? Is it set on things above, as Paul said in Colossians 3.2? And we've talked about this quite a bit in our men's Bible study here on Saturday mornings. All spiritual warfare is fought on the battlefield of the mind. That's where it's fought. So we have to learn how to control our thoughts so that our thoughts don't end up controlling us. All right, how about this? Here's one that Christians don't like to talk about. Gluttony. This is a big one for me. I love food. And I struggle with eating too much, right? But the idea here is, are we exercising? Are we eating healthy? I mean, again, as much as possible, all things considered, I'm not your doctor. Consult your doctor, right? But generally speaking, if we're not exercising and if we're not eating right, we should be. Because strong men of God are to be healthily, healthy. And that is to say, spiritually, mentally, and physically. All right, discipline should not be relegated to just certain areas of our life while we neglect other areas, okay? We are to be complete in Christ. So as human beings, we are made up of body, mind, and spirit. Therefore, every area of our life as believers in Christ should be brought under the lordship of Jesus Christ, every area. And lastly, in verse 14 of 1 Corinthians chapter 16, Paul reminds us of what he taught us back in chapter 13. That's the love chapter. So he reminds us of love here. And he says, let all that you do be done with love. So guys, none of what we've talked about here this morning can be accomplished without either the power of God or without love. We need them both, all right? Because love is what makes our behavior legitimate, isn't it? Okay, it's just sounding brass. It's just a clanging symbol. Paul told us, told us back in verse, or 1 Corinthians 13, 1, if it's not love. We've talked a lot about this lately in our study through the Gospel of Luke. I mean, we've seen that the love of Christ is very intentional. The love of Christ is purposeful. And, of course, it's practical. Again, Peter told us that we're to have a fervent love for one another. That's 1 Peter 4.8. That word that he uses there for fervent, it means without ceasing. Okay, so, again, that points us straight to the Lord Jesus Christ, doesn't it? He loves us like that. That's how Christ loves us, without ceasing. Paul said in Romans 5, 8, that God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. And so we're never more like Jesus than when we are demonstrating unceasing love toward other people. So do I love Jesus? Well, I think maybe a better way to ask that question is, do I love like Jesus? There would be evidence in that, right? Do I prove it? Do I love my family? Do I love my brothers and sisters in Christ? And most of us would say, of course I do. But how well do we demonstrate that? 
Men can be terrible at demonstrating love. We got to get better at that. How well do I show my love to my family, to my wife, to my kids, to my church, to my brothers and sisters in Christ, etc.? A prime example from Scripture is this. The Bible tells us that as men of God, this is Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. Scripture says to love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. So how does Christ love his church? That's our question. Well, Christ loves his church unconditionally, which is to say without condition, right? So men, let me ask you, are there conditions that you've been placing on your wife before you choose to show her love? Does she have to act in a certain way or does she have to do certain things in order for you to act lovingly toward her? So let me ask you, is that how Christ loves you? Of course it's not. Guys, we have got to get ourselves out of this unbiblical macho mindset and learn how to become biblically courageous. Okay, These men that say, you know what? I told my wife I loved her when I married her and if anything changes, I'll let her know. What a cop-out. What a cop-out. Men who have that kind of mindset are weak. They can't show love to their wives. Men who cannot show real love to their wives are prideful. Let's just call it like it is. And they're immature. Guys, we've got to learn how to love. We've got to learn how to give. And we need to learn how to prove our love. Demonstrate it. Men, I hope you hear my heart this morning, okay? I am not trying to browbeat you. I am not trying to bring you down because I'm a husband and I'm a dad who knows all too well how to blow it like I'm good at it. But I'm just trying to challenge you and to encourage you as a man from the scriptures because the scriptures challenge us and encourage us as men on how we need to behave. It challenges us to stop being carnal, stop being mere men and start becoming the man of God that he's called us to be. That's the challenge from Scripture. Of course, being manly is not all about wearing camouflage and living in the deer woods. That's the world's idea of manliness. Real men love Jesus. Remember those bumper stickers? It's true. Real men love Jesus because real men love like Jesus. We prove it, right? One of the things I talked a lot about in a marriage class that I taught one time is the difference between acknowledging the truth and embracing the truth. There's a difference. Okay? We can acknowledge the truth without ever embracing it, but we cannot embrace the truth unless we live out the truth. We got to live it. So what I'm saying to you is this, guys, the proof that we actually believe this stuff, the proof of it will be reflected in how we live. It'll be reflected in how we act. Okay? It's going to be reflected in how we lead our families in the things of Christ and how we serve the Lord Jesus Christ in his church. We'll demonstrate it. It'll be obvious. People will see it. I'll leave you with this. In Judges chapter 6, God showed up to a scared little Gideon who was threshing wheat in a wine press, Right? That's not what you do in wine presses, by the way. You press wine. But he was hiding. And the angel of the Lord showed up 
and <clears throat> called out to Gideon. Gideon was, his first response is interesting because he said, hey, you know, uh, my family is the least in our tribe and I'm actually the least in my father's house. He had a very low opinion of himself. You know what God called him? A mighty man of valor. Literally a warrior. Gideon said, I don't amount to much. I, I don't, my family's nothing, I'm nothing. I'm over here scared in the corner, hiding from the Midianites. And God shows up and says, you're a warrior. You're a warrior. You see, God saw Gideon for who he could become, not for who he was, right? So Gideon, <laughs> this is an interesting part of the story. Gideon said, okay, you mind waiting here while I go grab some stuff for a sacrifice? I'll be right back. Who does that? Who asked the Lord to wait on him, right? But he did. And interestingly to me, you know what the Lord said? I will wait until you come back. I love that. The Lord said, I'll wait until you come back. So Gideon comes back and he brings the stuff for the sacrifice. The first thing God tells Gideon to do is, you know what you got to do? You got to go clean up your own house, Gideon. You need to go home and burn those idols. You're going to take the wooden idols that you've set up in your home. You're going to use that as firewood to make this sacrifice to me. Guys, we got to start in our home. Get that cleaned up. Get that right. And we start moving out from there. Burn the idols. Get them out in service for the Lord. Gideon was scared. He said, I don't amount to much. Stay here, Lord, if this is real, and I'll come back. The Lord said, I will wait until you come back. And he was there when Gideon got there. Gideon goes home and he burns all the idols down, uses them as firewood. He's obedient. You know what God did with little scared Gideon? He took him and 300 men and defeated the mighty Midianite army. It's amazing. What do you think he can do with you? What do you think? How long are you going to keep him waiting? God told Gideon, I'll wait till you come back. How many men never show back up? Let's take the responsibility and show up. Be present. Get before God. Get humble. Crush your idols and start becoming the man of God that he wants you to become. Paul said it like this, act like men, act like men. Father, we love you and we thank you for this time in your word today. Thank you for the challenge that you've given to us as fathers, as husbands, as leaders in our home. Lord, it is a high calling and it can be very difficult. And too many times we're like scared little Gideon threshing wheat in a wine press. We're using things for their unintended purposes because we're confused and scared and don't know what to do. But when you show up and we're shaken and scared and you call us a mighty warrior, <laughs> that's who we are. That's who you created us to be. Mighty men of valor. So, Lord, would you give us the faith and the strength 
to show back up. You told Gideon you'd wait. And you did, and he came back. I pray that we would return to you, that we would come to you, and we would begin crushing every idol in our heart. I pray that we would start today crushing those idols and becoming the mighty men of valor, the warriors that you call us to be. You see us for who you can make us be, not for who we are. In Christ, we are warriors. We're soldiers. Help us to be spiritually mature, to grow up, to take the responsibility that you've given to us as men and take our families back. Take our country back. Take our churches back. Strengthen us, Lord, to do that. You can start right here. Right here at Little Old Community Church in Union, Missouri. Lord, would you start with us? Would you spark that flame of revival in the hearts of these men? Help us to live out that higher calling. Begin building our houses with the materials that you give us to use that will be eternal, that will not burn up in the fires of judgment, but will be refined. Thank you, Lord, for this calling. Thank you for this challenge. It's not easy, but you provide the strength for us. The Spirit of God dwells in his temple, and we are your temple. You're the master builder. So our hope and dependence is completely on you, Lord. Please have your way. If there's anybody listening to this message today who doesn't have a relationship with Christ, they don't know how to build, they don't know how to walk by faith, I pray, Lord, that they would start right now by turning from their sin in repentance, asking you for forgiveness, and that they would turn to the Lord Jesus Christ by faith alone, believing that he is the Son of God who died on the cross for their sins and rose again the third day so that they could have eternal hope in him. If you need that relationship with Jesus, start today. If you haven't been the man of God that he's called you to be, start today. Let's help each other become the men of God that he's called us to be. Let's act like men. Lord, we love you. We praise you. Strengthen us in this service and in this calling, we ask in Jesus' holy name. Amen.